Hey everybody, welcome to Geek Together. This is uh, episode 11. We have a special episode with another interview that we've done. Um, Connor McConnell, who is the owner-operator of Abominable Toys, the creator of Chomp and Chomper and many other things, uh, talks about a lot of the exciting releases he has coming up, his path to get in there, which is a very different and unique path than uh, many toy designers and artists have gone through, and it's really fascinating to hear. So um, he was very, very uh, kind of sit, sit down with us and share it all with, with us a couple of cool uh, teases of what's to come. Um, I hope you enjoy. Hey, thanks, Connor, for uh, joining us. Um, you are the owner and operator. I, mean, I don't know what your official title is of Abominable Toys. What, would yep. you, what was your title? Be owner operator, owner. Uh, yeah, owner operator. Probably owner, that owner, works. Owner operator work. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All, all things abominable toys. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think I think that's safe to say. I've been uh, a fan of uh, your designs uh, since the beginning. I think Christina and I have most, if not all. I think we're missing a couple of the pins from the beginning, but it's a super awesome design and uh, uh, really Thank been. Uh, you know, obviously we started off as friends before you did it mm-hmm. um, as collectors. Yeah, yeah, collecting was a huge part. It's kind of one of the main reasons I got into it. Yeah, so, you know, um, let's just jump right into it. I mean, so you start off as a collector of many things, right? Was it primarily Funko or... or, or Uh, I started with Lego when I was, like, really young, and that kind of got me in. And uh, I think 2016, I started on Funko, and uh, designer toys in general, I wouldn't have been introduced to if it wasn't for Reese. That kind of brought me into that. Oh, you mean uh, Reese O'Brien? Yeah. Yeah, with the Tiny Ghost, I didn't have any uh, insight into the design of toy community at all until I saw Tiny Ghost. Oh, so you'd say that he was a big inspiration for what you're doing. Oh, yeah. He was a, probably my main inspiration. I really loved his work since the beginning, and what he was doing was just really, uh, it, it really spoke to me, I guess, seeing how it came from just a drawing into this big, fully-fledged thing. That's that's pretty cool. I mean, obviously, you know, we're big fans of Reese as well, and uh, same thing. Like, I, you know, I'm not a, uh, a a toy designer, even you know, my wife Christina with the customs and the sculpting and the media and all that kind of stuff. But I'm a I've been a huge fan of what I like, so I can definitely relate to that, and you know, love a lot of yeah. stuff. That it's funny. A lot of people ask me what I like if there's specific things, and it's hard to tell. Like, I used to have a pretty niche collection myself, which was you know, I started with. Uh, Sideshow, this and that, mainly based on my fandoms, whether it be Master of the mm-hmm. Universe or Flash or whatever, and then basically became anything that was those. Didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And then, I, don't know, I think it was a couple of years ago, I went to Designer Con, and then I realized, oh, wow, yeah. I like everything. <laughs> like so many yeah. things, right? But enough, enough of that, you know. Um, you know, like I said earlier, we met through collecting. Um, what, I mean, you said Reese was a big inspiration, but. What was that tipping point? Do you remember that moment where you said, you know what, I'm going to make a toy? Well, uh, basically, it, kind of the whole reason why I met Ben, who's the co-creator of Chomp with me, uh, I, uh, just as a hobby, like with my dad, I used to sell comic books and stuff like that. And uh, Ben contacted me out of nowhere. Uh, I never met him before. And he said he wanted to buy a comic book that I had posted on my Instagram. It wasn't like advertised for sale or anything, but... He contacted me and said, hey, I really want to buy that comic book. I work at Pixar. Could I trade some art for it? Mm. And I said, I mean, I, I, that was a 
pretty crazy situation because I've never talked to anyone from Pixar before. So we started talking and we worked out a deal and I got a bunch of like original Pixar thumbnail sketches from him and traded him that comic book. And that was the end of it. And then like five months later, he contacted me again and said, hey, you got another comic book that I want. And then <laughs> at, at that point, uh, I started, my dad was like, well, if we're going to sell these comic books and stuff like that, maybe we should come up with a logo for the uh, collectible company, I guess. So I had this idea of making a Yeti and I like drew it out on a piece of paper and uh, I think it was in my trig class in high school. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Wow. It was, it was, it, yeah, it, it was super simple. It was just uh, it, like compared to the chomp design now, it was just uh, circles. It didn't have a mouth at all. It was, actually, it was, actually, I think I remember you posting it like early yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, that was the beginning of that. And then uh, I showed it to Ben, and we started working it out. He made a design for it, and I posted it on there, and everyone really seemed to like it. And then I guess it got to a point where I was just posting about it, and people, uh, they just kept talking to me about how they really wanted to be a figure, they wanted to be a pin, they wanted to be whatever. And I was like, well, if it's going to do this, I'm not, I want to separate it from this, the comic book thing. I want it to be its own thing. And it was the only reason why it happened essentially is because I just found I was collecting uh, tiny ghosts from Reese and I saw what he did. And then I started doing research on how I could do something similar and it kind of just blossomed from there. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I know you, uh, that's funny that you say that you did it in trig class in high school. I think, uh, anybody who didn't know you wouldn't realize that you just started college too recently, right? Yeah. Uh, I did, one semester at Penn State, and I'm currently on a leave of absence. <laughs> <laughs> so you're pursuing this full time? Yeah, yeah, it's been going really well. I mean, I have a bunch of like pretty big artist collaborations coming up. Oh. I can't really talk about a lot of them, but yeah, it's. It, it, I kind of got to the point where I had a bunch of people contacting me about how to make uh, designer toys in general. Mm -hmm. And I learned the process. I mean, it's not really very hard. And I tell everyone, if anyone wants to know, I'll gladly try to help anyone through if they have a design or something. But uh, I've had a lot of, uh, you know, mid-tier, like celebrity people contact me, stuff like that, about making designer toys of them and things like that. Oh, wow. So that's what we're working on now. Oh, that's awesome. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, That's pretty cool. I know. uh, So... Why don't you tell us a little bit, I mean, without, you know, going to, I'm sure it's a, a longer story, but why don't you tell us, I mean, you talked about the origins of Chomp, and why don't you talk about a little bit about how you came up with the name? Oh, yeah, this is one of my favorite, it kind of really shows you about how the collecting communities kind of go together, but uh, basically, I was collecting Tiny Ghost stuff, and I didn't have any name for Chomp at all at the time, he was just a Yeti, and I was in the tiny ghost collectors group and one of my favorite facebook groups of course mm-hmm. and uh i think it's pretty good yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i posted a giveaway i just gave away some original uh tiny ghost stickers and it basically all you had to do to enter was try to come up with a name for the yeti and uh pat kurtzner came up with uh chomp and i sent him the sticker pack that's right that's right. one at one that's yep. right and then uh so that's hilarious. I mean, so it just shows like, yeah, you really were um, involved. I mean, if you listen to our, which you, you said you did listen to our podcast with Reese, a big thing of his was yeah. collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't take one person, you know, even he, you know, he's a brilliant artist and he does all these things, but he really 
relies on the help and collaboration of others. And it sounds like you really kind of took that to the next level. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of collaboration, uh, Eric Johns is a guy, and I probably wouldn't have done any of this without him as well. He contacted me whenever I had the chomp design and he offered his uh 3d modeling services through someone that he works with and that helped me a ton yeah so same thing so yeah you got somebody to do the 3d modeling you have ben um from pixar doing the uh the you know kind of how that happened by accident it's kind of funny how you, you that accidentally goes into that mm-hmm. now um so from there why don't you tell a little bit about the so here you go you got a name you have a design Mm-hmm. And now you're starting on, now you got to make it a toy. So what, what does that journey look like? So I, I basically started looking up how to make a vinyl figure. That's kind of the beginning. I just went on Google and searched that. And I oh, went really? through and there's, yeah, there's, there's tons of articles of uh, overseas manufacturing, uh, in-house manufacturing in the United States. And basically what I gathered, I went through, I contacted a bunch of um, U.S. manufacturers but the issue I was having is everyone had a minimum order quantity of like 2,500 pieces or more. And wow. I couldn't, at the time, I mean, when, when I started getting into figures, I already had some pins sold and stuff, but it was nothing crazy. Like I had the glow in the dark chomp pin. It was a limited edition of 70 and it took almost two weeks to sell out. So right. it, well, it wasn't gigantic at the time, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I figured I was going to, I came up with the six pretty basic variants i mean they're just kind of color switches mm-hmm. and uh i went and i was trying to find a manufacturer for them and eventually i found out that an easy way to find a manufacturer who will make a smaller run is to go on alibaba which was like really sketchy to me because it's just a marketplace mm-hmm. and if you look on there it's just it seems like just random people i mean it's a Chinese marketplace essentially and you yeah. go on there and there's a bunch of tips about how you got to look for people with like five star gold ratings and stuff like that and I just started contacting them and eventually I found someone who uh, fit all my criteria and obviously I was super sketched out sending them the money because I didn't know any of them at the time right, but right. I gathered up the money placed the first order and it came in and everything went it went way better than I would have expected the guy I was talking to was really helpful and now we have a bunch of other figures in production now. And so you, you're continuing to work with that same person you met on Alibaba? Yeah. yeah oh, wow. he's been, I haven't had any issues. He actually is the same manufacturer uh, that Jason Freeney uses. And really? The guys who make uh, Popek, the like balloon dog. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 That's crazy. Yeah, like, and so you just happened to find the same person who does that? Just random dumb luck. I didn't, I didn't know. He just told me afterwards. <laughs> and your first run figure was how much? How many? So, how many I think we made one hundred originals and then fifty golds for the first release. Yep. And yeah. that was. I mean, at, at the time, I thought that was going to be is going to sit on the website for a little bit, but they yeah. went up and they did they not went stay down. there. They did not stay there very <laughs> yeah. long. I remember. I remember uh, getting them. Mm-hmm. Um, Christine and I. Uh, definitely we bought those ones and it's been crazy and so on that i mean you had a lot of lessons learned along that way because you've done out of anybody i know you've worked really hard on bots um, oh yeah how to refund how to ensure that uh the um product gets to the fans um, which is really hard as you know as somebody that's buying for many reasons on the other side you kind of know some of the tricks 
being a collector, right? You kind of know mm-hmm. how to buy. How is yeah, it on exactly. the other? How is it on the other side? Being the seller, uh, it's stressful because <laughs> you go through and you put everything up, and you just sit there and you hope everything happens right. You know, you can prepare as much as you want, and then you put the stuff up online, and you hope it all goes through well. And most of the time, something goes wrong to some extent, <laughs> and then you have to go through and you got to try to find all the different duplicate orders. You search addresses you search names you search ip addresses all that stuff and it's it's difficult but i think i think it's something that as a you know collectible seller i have to do if, if i don't do it then i'm not doing the right thing for people who are fans of what i'm making you know what i mean yeah and i think there when you look at that i think um another company does it is you know bimcoy does a lot of that so you kind of have the, yeah the way uh it, they go through and manage it the same way i think yeah, Joe was fantastic with that. Joe the Hammer, as they call him. <laughs> <laughs> but you're doing it all. I mean, so here you have a little bit of a different story. You're, you now have the figures. You're running the website. You're running the social media. You're doing the selling. You're doing the sales. You're doing the refunds. I mean, how much time is this taking you? I, it, it takes a lot of time for sure, and that's kind of I mean, going back to how I'm on leave of absence from college. But that's kind of a main reason for it. I felt like. I needed to do one and put all my effort towards it because if I didn't, then I'd just be half-assing two things, you know, and that yeah. doesn't seem like a smart thing to do. So I figured I'd do this. I'd run with it, and it's been going really well. I mean, I'm, if I can keep doing it, I'd, it'd be an absolute dream. And uh, I, I mean, I did. I basically I make all the products, take all the pictures, you know, do all the website stuff. I made the whole website, mm-hmm. and then I do all the social media stuff. I respond to all the customer service questions. Uh, I finally, I don't do shipping anymore. Classic <laughs> Empire took over, took over for me for that, and that's been really good. They've been really great to work with so far. Okay, so that brings up a great question. Um, Plastic Empire, and, I, and I've met them quite a few times. I actually work really closely with Pop Life a lot, mm-hmm. um, who I work through uh, at cons. Um, as a matter of fact, I was there hanging out when you released the brown pin. The Bigfoot, oh, yeah. the Bigfoot variation, or I don't know your official mm-hmm. name, sorry, um, at Emerald City. Yeah. And I think that was the first time you sold through them, right? Yeah, that was our first release with them. Um, it was kind of random because they messaged us. They were the first people to ask us um, if we would consider selling figures uh, to retailers. And I, I don't know, I, I looked into them. I mean, I bought from Plastic Empire before at New York Comic Con, so it was kind of cool and everything kind of checked out and they're kind of my equivalent to uh, reese's fugitive toys you know they're kind of running my operations and fugitives running reese's con operations that sort of thing yeah i I saw that happening and i think um i wonder it's kind of a weird time in collectibles it's become you know a lot of people in the designer toy community want to kind of scoff at funko you know um Mm-hmm. Because they're so they're so big, right? And it's like, yeah. well, they're not a designer toy. I, and I only say that. I mean, I'm a big fan, so I'm not knocking it at all. I mean, I have. I'm looking at my wall, and I have a ton of them. Oh, and that yeah, was my too. window drug, so to speak, into a lot of things. Um, but you know, the designer toy community, like you go to Decon or something like that, and that's like they were upset that Funko was there mm-hmm. because it's sort of like you know the punk rock band that sells out. Um, yeah. But that being said, I think it's created a lot of opportunity for designer toys because it's gotten a lot of exposure as it's become more acceptable of like 
how many people are buying in the collectible market and how they do limited runs and how they draw hype, which is a big thing, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a lot yeah. of people that buy because they truly love it. There's a lot of people that buy because they don't want to miss out. And then you have mm-hmm. the third part of people that buy investment mm-hmm. or reseller, what have you. But do you think that it's like when you look at the um, customer base, so obviously if you want to draw correlations that Funko had Gemini early on, right? Fugitive mm-hmm. too for a long time. And then yep. now Bim Toy, not a coincidence that Nelson and Fugitive knew him and that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And Plastic Empire is looking around. Do you think other retailers are looking for that next thing? Like whether it be, Oh, yeah. And so trying to get early on with that new design yeah. to bring the cons, to bring the draw, to bring the lines? Yeah, I mean, I kind of found out once uh, Chomp started taking off with Obama Toys, I started getting a lot more messages like the message I got from Plastic Empire. Like a lot of them. And I think it's just all of those people are going around and they want to find their tiny ghost, you know, and they, mm-hmm. they want to find their big one that they can partner up with and they can run for the conventions and things like that. And there's a lot of designer toy companies starting up right now. And it's starting to be a lot of them are starting to take off, too. I mean, right. Reese is getting to the point where he is he is a very big part of the designer toy community. He's getting a lot of fans. It's growing very fast. And I think a lot of these uh, retailers uh, are just looking for that next person. I, th- I think it's all of them are searching. And mm-hmm. that's what I think because when I went to Emerald City, um, that was the first time I saw Plastic Empire with a bunch of people rushing in their booth with a long line around it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it kind of sets them apart from all the other retailers because all the all the retailers sell Funko Pops, all the retailers sell mm-hmm. Marvel Legends figures, but they want to get something that makes them stand out and be different from the rest of the other retailers. Right now. Now let me ask you a question: Are you did you do an exclusivity with them at cons? I mean, if you don't have to answer, yeah. if you if you don't want to get into contracts, but I mean, I'm just curious of how that all works. So uh, we're kind of doing it, kind of uh, on a event basis. So uh, some cons that uh, we can't get like a booth for, like r- right now we're kind of small, so we had an issue getting to civic cons like New York Comic Con coming up. We couldn't get a booth this year because they were downsizing space and they were not letting as many people. But mm. Plastic Empire said, we'd be willing to have you here. And then Ben and I are going to come out and they're going to have our part of the Plastic Empire booth. So we're mm, kind of like okay. sharing it with them. Well, I look forward and, to seeing that. That's going to be cool. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. And I, we got a lot of things like that. Like at DesignerCon, we have our own booth. Um, but because they don't they don't go to DesignerCon. So it's kind of like uh, a play-by-play basis you know we kind of go with whichever one it's not really specified in what we have figured out okay but like hypothetically for instance and i'm really just throwing out there like we have salt lake comic-con mm-hmm. um here or sorry fan x i don't want to get them sued again uh, <laughs> from san diego but um there isn't a lot of exclusives there but there's a ton of people it's a very big con and they're not really drawing a lot of things so hypothetically i think you know a ski town like salt lake you bring a booth or you know you partner with somebody local like that to bring a chomp, that's an option. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. And we've kind of been talking to a lot of different, uh, well, Plastic Empire for the most part, but we have other uh, retailers who are contacted us about getting like a pin for uh, Fan Expo and things mm. like that. And yeah. we've, been, we've been looking into it. It's kind of, I don't really, this is going to sound bad, but I don't really know what I'm doing in that instance, you know? <laughs> that's awesome, though. I think that's, that's part of the, that's the great part of the story. I mean, 
And going back yeah. to what you said before about taking the highest out of college, look, I have, I have five kids, and that's the same advice I'd give them. You know what? You have an opportunity right now to ride a wave. Yeah. And I think you're doing the right thing by going all in on that. College will always be there. Yeah, that's how I figured. I mean, I, I'm just doing the leave of absence so I can technically go back whenever I want to. I'm not dropping out. Right. But I, I, I think it's the right decision for me right now because I can fully go in on a bottle of toys and do it right. I mean, I don't want to just go in there and, you know, partially do things. I want to make sure I'm doing it as best as I possibly can. Yeah, you don't want to quarter asset. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just so you know, uh, Christina just sat down, so she was able to join us now. So Hi, Connor. <laughs> Hi, Christina. Um, so I, th- I think it's awesome. So let's go. So you, you launched your first figure. Now, one of the things, you know, and after that, you did something unique that I haven't seen before, and maybe I just missed it. But you did a um, the pink Abominable Snowman, right? You did the, the, pink, the pink Chomp. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, what you did is you had a window of ordering for charity. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it's kind of pre-manufactured um, sales, which was pretty unique. Why don't you talk about that? Basically what happened is I had the Founders Edition come out, and it was heavily botted. And I only had mm-hmm. 125 of them. So I had to go through and I had to cancel so many orders and try to figure out how to get into fans' hands. And then I was like, I got to do something for this next release because I don't have the inventory for this cotton candy. It was only going to be a hundred pieces. That was the initial idea mm-hmm. okay. because I ordered them all so far in advance. So I had a hundred pieces for cotton candy. I had a hundred pieces for Bigfoot and I had a hundred pieces for glow in the dark and all of those, I knew that wasn't going to work. You know, I mean, I saw what happened with the founders one. So I just kind of trying to come up with solutions and I was thinking about different things and uh there was a um Parks and Rec uh print that came out and they did it the exact same way they did a timed edition and I've only seen it with prints I haven't seen it with toys really and I was like that's what I gotta do because it's right now I have inventory on hand and this is kind of where I came up with the waves where I'd like ship the inventory and that ended up being not a good idea but i learned that afterwards uh-huh. uh yeah i still haven't got my pink yet am i yeah fyi you know they're, co- they're coming in I, I know i know <laughs> we're patient the, the expected ship date is the first of august and they're shipped to me they're in the they're in the united states so All right. i'm hoping they're gonna be here by the first that's what i'm telling everyone but right um yeah, I mean, I, the charity uh, time to release, well, I think, was a really good uh, concept idea. I don't know if it was executed perfectly, but mm-hmm. I, I like the idea so. of it. I thought it was awesome because uh, I think that was a great nail. The question I had for you was, were there botters that didn't know? <laughs> yes, there was a lot, <laughs> and I got a lot of emails. Did you? I, I don't – so – You'd be surprised how many emails I get based on this stuff. Because I've responded to, at this point, probably, I don't know, three, four hundred emails just on the pink release recently. Really? And uh, it's people, uh, I've learned that people don't really read what you write. And <laughs> It's true. <laughs> I, could, I had the weight advertising all this stuff. And I understand people overlooking and stuff like that. But... The the people who are running bots, I don't think they're really paying attention at all. Oh, no, and I had probably not. an influx of like, I don't know, 150 orders maybe that requested refunds within the first 
20 minutes of it releasing. Because oh, wow. <laughs> they finally figured out why they were able to get so many without it selling out? Well, yeah, because they kind of have it set up to just buy, you know, as much as it can. Until it sells out. Yeah. I mean, it, they didn't buy an absolute ton, but there was a few people who bought a lot. <laughs> and, you know. Now, did you refund them? Uh, I refunded some of them. Some of them who just played single orders, I'd just let it go. I mean, they're the ones who did it, so. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it was for charity. I mean, and you were very clear on it. So, But you have to walk that line, right? That customer service yeah. versus, you know. The, the is, issue I kind of had, I mean, I, I would cancel the orders, but the issue I was having is uh, the program I use to do the charity releases, um, once the order goes through, it charges me. And whenever I refund it, it doesn't take that money back out. Oh. So I probably donated like myself probably like five hundred or a thousand dollars just in cancellations. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's just kind of yeah. So you I, had every I, right not to cancel it because you were pretty clear clear on it. Like all sales final, and yeah, this is the timeline. I wouldn't have refunded yeah. them. You wouldn't. Have? Yeah, that's kind of. Yeah. I wouldn't. Have. <laughs> yeah, so they get for botting. Yeah, I know, right? I've done a bunch of things with botting. I used to do. I had like these phishing things where I'd put key terms in fake products to find out who was botting. Like I had a uh, Chomp times Ellen men's boxers item that went up <laughs> and it was free. And I sold like 300 of them. <laughs> <laughs> and they were on the website, but they weren't published as an item. So but no normal yeah. person could buy them. But <laughs> the, all the bots got them. And then I just had a bunch of information of who was using bots. That's right. So then, okay. Yeah. Cause the way bots work is they're basically mining your site. Yeah, looking, exactly. Looking for links and then the computer picks it up and then they look for keywords that they're keying off of. And then they just, then they know how to program it to the shopping cart you're using. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why they're so efficient and why they beat humans on all so many other things. Mm-hmm. It's hard to beat that. Yeah. It's definitely an uphill battle. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, so you got the you got the um, the charity releases, et cetera. Now, so through this whole process, what I mean, look, you're searching Alibaba for random people to to, to produce mm-hmm. for you, et cetera, et cetera. But what what would you say is the toughest part of this whole journey? I honestly think, like, once I started doing it, it's kind of been like flowing. But I think the hardest part is just starting it. I mean, I've had so many people contact me and say, I've had this idea for this character for six months or i've had this idea for a character for a year and i think the hardest part is just taking the time and just going through and doing those beginning steps finding the manufacturer i mean it probably took me i don't know like a week of just searching to try to find one that was right i emailed probably 15 20 people trying to figure out by the way i think that's a funny statement that it took you a week (laughs) like rough story there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> people are there for years trying to figure it out and you're like oh it took me a whole week like i, I need things right away i mean i i think what you started i mean if you fully you know start going into it you'll, you'll find the people you need to find i mean you just got to really start looking and that was kind of the main point for me once i decided that i was going to do it i had to make sure i was going to do it you know and i just had to go through and take those first steps i mean yeah, that's sort of the way you okay. jump in both feet right yeah exactly I mean, it's sort of the way you were with, I remember when you were collecting, I wouldn't say just a collector, but when you were collecting, I mean, you wanted something, you worked at it. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Didn't waste I mean, any I, time. Yeah, that's definitely, I, even with, um, the, the, this is kind of, several, but with the fugitive uh, Andy Dwyer's that they just released, <laughs> I went in there <laughs> and I spent like 
I, I think at the end of the day, like almost two thousand dollars on mystery boxes, oh. and I didn't, even, <laughs> I didn't even get one of them. Oh but. no! Oh no! You should just went to eBay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I, I figure. I guess my perspective on it was. It was basically costing me ten dollars every time to try because they're a hundred dollar box and guaranteed a ninety dollar pop. That's true. And then I just sell them. So that's true. That was kind of my thoughts behind it. Eventually, I did get a mouse rat, Andy. I bought it for someone for uh, three hundred fifty dollars. I'm oh, pretty happy about that one. That's pretty good then. And then you get rid of the other stuff. Yeah. So I bought one mystery box from Fugitive Online during mm-hmm. the online drop, and I don't know what it is yet. And I didn't buy, and that's a lot for me because I generally don't buy. I don't like gambling. I hate mystery boxes. I would prefer, like, okay, if I do the math on the probability of getting what I want, I did the same thing with minis and any blind boxes, et cetera. Yeah, I generally don't even collect mystery minis for that reason. Yeah, so I just generally, I go, doing the math on the probability of getting one, on average, it would cost me more in buying the product than just going to eBay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mystery stuff in general is, you know, a lot of people really like that rush of it being mystery but I don't know how much that is for me. I usually just buy my mystery minis if I go, and I want it specific. Yeah, I just kind of go and buy whatever it is. That's why casinos don't work for me either. I don't. I don't like yeah. the whole gambling part of it. It's just I, I get nothing from it. Well, I always yeah. tell people when you go to Vegas, like if you look at the buildings in Vegas and how luxurious they are, they don't get those by losing. No, of course not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they don't get that by losing. So, you kind of a good segue there. So. Given that now you're you're manufacturing toys and you're in on that business, what do you what are you collecting these days? Um, right now, uh, Funko. I'm still all in on Funko. Um, I collect Lego. I just like really obscure Lego stuff, like the first Lego set to have a minifigure in it. I have a couple of those. Hmm. Uh, I have a Toy of the Century keychain that was given to employees when they were announced the toy of the century just stuff like that i like very weird stuff so you like you like you like kind of the rarer items rather than just the mast you like to kind of curate a collection rather than yeah yeah. i'm the same way rather than hoard things i mean my 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 collecting is very it's a similar journey i mean i i bought them because i thought they were cool and i like flash Mm -hmm. and then as i started getting into them i realized like ah you know i want special things you know so I like getting the Freddies or the real limited stuff, like the one in twenty fours, and mm-hmm. the Protos were a big thing for me because of that, right? Like something special that's hard to get, and then the journey of getting it is the satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <coughs> I mean, Funko prototypes—that's another thing that I'm in. <laughs> yeah, that's been an up and down journey for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a very pa- let's just say it's a very passionate community. Oh yeah. Regardless of where is. their passion lies, it's very passionate. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, what I've noticed, you know, I kind of been on the sidelines watching um, you launch, and I've watched it from a fascination of you know it's something that Christine and I have talked about doing. You know, um, creating mm-hmm. your own toy, getting into it. You know, going from you know we we recently talked um, about you know obviously she's been very successful in the custom community. And mm-hmm. creating different things. She still, she still owes you a custom chomp because you sent her one. So I, yeah. she's work, she has an I idea. Have, I have a plan. I just need <laughs> time. <laughs> she's not the only one. Don't worry. I've, <laughs> I've sent out 30 of them, and I have like 10 of them back maybe. It'll be a good one. Uh, Hers will be yeah. a good one, I promise. I know it. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Um, Got to have the best for last. That's right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but um, so I, I watched it kind of, uh, and I think you followed a good pr- blueprint. Uh, I was seeing it early on, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like a lot of your kind of releases and waves and timing followed a blueprint that Reese laid out. 
Yeah. I mean, Reese kind of, I think Reese with designer toys is almost like a merger because not as far like the handmade, you know, designer toys. He's kind of like a merger between Funko and designer toys, leaning more towards designer toys. And I thought it was kind of a very unique price point. $30 is kind of That's all true. the designer toys are either. Uh, really cheap from people who are just starting or really expensive from the people who make like really limited like handmade stuff like a lot and of I so think, for, like a lot of that Sofubi stuff and like uh, yeah. yeah they're like 150 200 300 400 dollars yeah yeah and I thought Reese's had a very unique price point the 30 dollar range it's not so high that you're not going to like eliminate 80 percent of your market and it's not so low that it's a Funko Pop to like appeal to everyone but it's like right in a, a really nice spot and I kind of I, I drew a lot of inspiration for a lot of stuff from him. So what has surprised you the most through this? I mean, you kind of knew you were going to make a toy. You knew you were going to release it. You kind of found these things. And all the stuff that's in your control, I'm sure you weren't surprised by. But what about the community, et cetera? Like, what has surprised you the most uh, through this? The thing that probably surprised me the most is just how fast it changed from being something I was doing just for fun into an actual business like one day like why when those figures came out it completely changed like it was so weird because i was making pins and they weren't selling out very fast it was just kind of you know just standard stuff and i just felt like i was growing slowly mm-hmm. and it was going to be like that for a while and then it just like clicked and all of a sudden it took off and it was very weird and i, I the same thing happened with reese I mean, he couldn't keep up with the inventory for a while, and it's true. It, I, I feel like it was the exact same thing. I mean, it's just once people decide that it's something they want to collect, then they, I'm guessing they tell their friends, they show it around, and then everyone wants to collect it, like, in a second. It's just, it, it's very crazy to me how it can just be a split-second thing. You go from just a fun hobby into an actual business. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the dream, right? I mean, if you can get, if you can make a business and live in toys, which you do for fun anyway, it's kind of perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's. It, I think any business in general has to be something that you're passionate about. I think if you're not passionate about it, you'll just you'll just stop. You know, you'll do it for a while, and you, then you just start doing it for money, and that's not fun. You don't want to do a job like that. So, the fact that I'm passionate about toys and I could make toys is like the best thing in the world for me right now. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's that's a dream come true. I've said that too. You know, if I could find a way to replace my daily job and just be in the industry and go con to con to con to release to release that's pretty exciting yeah so that's awesome yeah that discussion several times yeah we got to make a lot of toys so <laughs> not 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 that i didn't replace that much but it's a lot of it's a lot of vinyl we'd have to pump out <laughs> um so what's your next release so our next release we're shooting for is going to be probably mid to end of september we're going mm-hmm. for a figure around then okay and it's kind of it's kind of going to be like an out of season seasonal figure like as a joke oh, okay we're kind of thinking about doing it like uh chomp doesn't understand like like seasons or you know time zones <laughs> something like, like a confused abominable t- so that's funny that's funny yeah, confused yeah. Chomp. or just an impatient chomp maybe yeah i mean it, it's kind of that's kind of the funny thing about this too like we're making up the story as we go so i mean we're kind of just coming up with new elements of chomp like this whole you know the time zone seasonal thing he doesn't know what seasons are really because he lives in the mountains and it's always snowy you know stuff like that that's true and we're just kind of like throwing around like one thing that i threw in there like in the very beginning like the reason why the founders 
uh, pin was orange and the founder's figure is orange is because my favorite color is orange. So then I yes. just threw in the fact that oranges are Chomp's favorite food. And it's just ironic because <laughs> he can't get oranges where he lives. So I just thought it's just little random things. That's kind of the first story element I guess we added in. That's funny. But, I, did, I mean, I remember your, you know, your proto collection <laughs> being around orange. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. Um, and I remember orange being, uh, that's funny though. That kind of tied that all together. And it is kind of a funny antidote where it's, you know, well, people love what they can't get. Mm-hmm. It is true. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been talking to Ben. He really wants, he wants to do a story, like a, a full book, like really bad. And we, we've been talking about it. And uh, I've just been kind of, as we've been going on, we've been coming up with little uh, ideas to go along with, like what Chomp's story would be, what would we actually do it about. And like, that's kind of how Chomper came to be and stuff like that. So, Given that partnership you have with Ben, what it, what does that look? I mean, what does that look like going forward? Is it more of an advisor role? Is he part of your company? So, um, Ben isn't technically a part of the company. He is an artist that I have, and basically anything that I do with Chomp, he gets a royalty payment from. Ah, kind of, okay, that makes uh, sense. I, I offered him to be part of the company, but he couldn't really do it because he works full time on Pixar, and he didn't want to have. It's you pretty, know, the obligations to do it. All that's a, the time. that's another dream job, I guess, too, right? So it's kind of yeah. hard to. Hey, you never know, though. I mean, it catches up and he gets to do stories and who knows where he can go. Yeah, I mean, I, right now I'm just kind of, whenever Ben gets time, we, you know, we shoot ideas to each other and we kind of talk about different things. And I, I, I think the book's going to happen. I don't entirely know when, but we're definitely, it's something that he really wants to do and I am fully behind it. I think it'll be really fun. I think I think that's a good idea too. The Chomp and Chomper would make a really good uh, like kids characters. Yeah, I think so too. They would. Yeah, absolutely. So, have you guys worked one hundred percent virtually, or do you guys meet up in person? I have not met Ben yet. You haven't I, uh, met Ben yet in person. Okay, that's crazy. I had my first phone call with Ben like a month ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've only sent I've only sent him messages until then, but yeah, that's amazing. We're gonna meet up. That's, that's we're gonna pretty meet up impressive, for the first time. actually. Like yeah, yeah, you guys have worked so well together. At, I mean, the, the product through the products anyway. It seems you guys work so yeah. well together without actually having met. It's kind of impressive. Yeah, it's such. It's been a really good you know relationship between us so far. I mean, he's been really helpful with all this stuff. I mean, he knows more about like the story and design aspect than I could know. Mm-hmm. You know, with Pixar and everything. Right. So he helps a lot in that part, and I'm very good at seeing. Like he doesn't know the toy. He doesn't know like the toy industry at all. So I'm good at like coming up with variants for Chomp and things like that. And I kind of just sit there and I describe it to him as best as I can. And then he tries to come up with artwork for it now. And this this didn't really happen in the first figures because they're all just color changes. But this next wave, we're doing new molds, new designs. Every single one's going to have a different design, you know, stuff like that. We're kind of going all out now. Wow, that's crazy. So one thing is always that I've always wondered, um, it's really easy for me to talk to somebody who's been in the industry, right? So somebody who's been a toy designer or has worked in the industry, their path mm-hmm. to getting this made and them understanding the business side of it. Mm-hmm. Was, was being a collector and understanding what people wanted, what people wanted to buy, what you wanted to buy, um, how things were distributed, did any of that help you um, be prepared to sell your own toys or help form that plan? Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably the biggest like thing that like pushed me forward because I kind of understood 
like it, I, I, my mindset was how would I feel going into this release? Like if this released right now, how would I feel about me trying to buy it? Would I be disappointed with how it turned out? Would I be, you know, and I kind of just thought about it from that aspect with all the different releases. And that's kind of something I come up with when I'm coming up with the different ideas for how to do the next John release and stuff. And I think it's, I think it's helped me a lot and kind of connect to collectors. I mean, uh, you'll, you'll have people like uh, Ben, for example, he's an artist. He wouldn't, if he were to do a figure by himself, he wouldn't understand the collector aspect. And it's the same thing for me. I'm not as much of an artist as I am as Ben. So if I didn't have Ben, then I couldn't do that part. And if he didn't have me, we couldn't do the, you know, connecting to the collectors doing that sort of business aspect. And I think it's very important to have both sides of the spectrum. So it's kind of a direct correlation to knowing how that stuff works and being a fan yourself really helps understand the business yeah. side of it a little bit. I mean, I'm sure there are surprises on the business side of it about the costs, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. getting the boxes done, the shipping, the customs and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure there's a learning curve there mm-hmm. of dealing with all that. Here's something kind of crazy that people would not guess. Um, I actually pay probably twice as much than I pay for the figure for the box. The box cost me two times as much than the figure cost me. I believe it. That's a good. Yeah, yeah that good doesn't box. surprise me. <laughs> me either. I mean, because the figure. I mean, once you're mass manufacturing it, you, you're paying for the. Yeah. You know, once you get the mold done. Yeah. Once you have the molds done, I, that's actually that was the one question I was going to ask. You were saying that um, going forward, you're going to have different molds and whatever. Is that going to affect your price point? No, I'm going to keep it the same. I mean, the good thing right now is I'm not going through anyone. Like I, I'm the only person like sending the funds and getting the funds there's no profits and stuff getting cut off for other people right so i can i can cut how much money i make on a release it doesn't really matter that much to me i'd rather make a nicer product and make less money you know so i can make new molds for every figure release if i really wanted to but i'm going to try to do it yeah because i know that's the the more expensive part of making the figures is creating the molds not so much the yeah you know making variants of of the same figure because you're using reusing the same mold yeah, it cost, to make a new mold, and this is kind of just insight for people who don't know about the toy industry, but it cost me just under $3,000 to make a new mold to reuse. So I got to make sure I use it for a few releases. Well, for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and you have. And so, yeah, I think, I think yeah, mm-hmm. so after the releases, then you got to do it. And I think you have to, now, you have to balance out, I'm, you know, um, I look at the business side of it quite a bit because I'm very intrigued by how it works. And as I've collected, I've kind of gravitated more to that side of it, just watching different designers and and watching mm-hmm. where the collector packs go. Yeah, and, and I don't, I don't mean to, to kind of call them packs, but I mean you know what I mean, where you see yeah, yeah. The, kind of the swarming mm-hmm. to different things, like you know um, what creates that like, hype and like buzz. the quicks releases now, right? Oh yeah, um, is big and they're variants, but people like it's it's hard to get them and. And you know, I don't know how much of it is true love, or you know, or how much of it is wanting to be there. Yeah, people wanting to be in the party. Not that they're not cool figures. I think they're awesome. I have a few of them myself. I can appreciate the art part of it. And the same thing with your with your character. When I watched it, kind of take off. I mean, I think at first it was you peel off people that like. Well, this has gotten really hard. Let me get on the ground floor of the new thing. Mm-hmm. And it's similar to like Plastic Empire, but even the, the collectors are similar. Yeah, I mean, I think um, going. I think a lot of my success is because of how Tiny Ghost launched. Right when after they launched, all the original ones went up in value a lot. And I think a lot of people have the mindset that they don't want to miss out on the next thing that they're going right. to collect. You know, right? And, and it's a great figure. I mean, we have 
I, I want to say we have all of them. You know, the only thing I'm missing out on, and I need to find somebody who has one, is the gamer pin that was released. I just wasn't yeah, able to. Yeah, we missed oh, yeah. that one. We missed that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a cool one, too. I like that. You know, the gaming plus your character is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I thought that was that a was the, good uh, sign. That, that was the last design that I fully made myself. Oh, really? I went up. Yeah. But cool. I was I was making all the like colorways and stuff on mm. my iPad, but I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm not a very good artist. I mean, that's kind of <laughs> why. I, that, that's why I need Ben for this stuff. But that was the last design that I did by myself, and now Ben's starting to, he's gonna do more designs for me, and you know we just kind of do it on a figure basis how we're gonna do it. So you're gonna have the off season release. Um, what's your next con? Is it New York Comic Con? New York Comic Con. It's gonna that's be the, a, next con. the first con. Yeah, the first one that me and Ben are going to be at. We're so both you're going to meet there. there. Yeah, it's the first time I'm going to meet him. Uh, so he's going to—is this going to be the first time he's going to a con and seeing how the product's going? I think so. I mean, I, he hasn't been to Emerald City, so I think this will be the only one he's going to see it at. The first one. Oh, that should be. Are that you, should be you going to try to prepare him for that madness? <laughs> I probably should at some point. <laughs> no, I don't think you should. I think you should just be there ready to record it and get some get some reaction to it. Because that's going to be fascinating. Well, I, I know, I'll tell you, we'll be hanging out over by your booth for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be great Because we'll be there um, early and often. Uh, so Christina and I will be <laughs> at... Uh, well, we will be there every day. <laughs> I mean, We're, there's um, so many things to get. I mean, of course, you know, there's going to be a tiny ghost, which I think I'll see you in that line too, Connor. So, you know. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. Um, being a collector uh, and a maker, so that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. We're planning on uh, New York Comic Con. We're going to have, I can't tell you everything, but we're planning on having two figures for New oh, York wow. Comic Con. So. Two figures. Two figures, both with new molds. Both nice. with new molds. Yep. That's cool. Now oh, you can do. Color me intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can go into the lottery business. Oh, God. Uh, well, uh, Plastic Empire, I think they did the Bigfoot one on some of the days of the lottery. And they did. They I did. Think, yeah. yeah, they did yeah. some of the days. I think Fugitive has had an – I like what Fugitive has been doing with the uh, tiny the where, they, where they have the days where it's like first come, first serve allotment and then yeah. the lottery days, which I think is – I think it's a good happy medium because as a collector that's willing to put the time in, I hate lotteries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I, I would line up. Yeah, I know you got to work for it. I have no problem lining up for something I really want. Mm-hmm. And the lottery, it just makes it too easy for the casual people. It just, and it's just, ah, oh, so frustrating. I know. So, yeah, I mean, I, well, yeah, that, I've lost, and, and lotteries, especially the way uh, Fugitive has been doing it, they like people will just walk up and they'll be like, what are you handing out tickets for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've lost every San Diego Comic Con lottery for every San Diego Comic Con. I've never won one since I started doing lotteries. Oh, I've never but, won. I've never won one either, as far as like, uh, not I have true. never won a lottery, like for Funko or anything else, um, unless it was part of like the smaller entry, like the forums for the fanatics. Yeah, and that's just because w- they reward time, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I won one time for New York Comic Con. I won a Funko day. Oh, that's really? It. And I did but win this year the Fugitive Lottery. One yeah, day. I yes, won that one. Won too. the Fugitive Lottery this year. I I won the the smaller Funko booth. At San Diego. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's so it. I got, I got to have my two cannon and my Batman. I put uh, all my points towards the uh, mini figures this year, the Lego ones. Oh. And I didn't I yeah. didn't win any of them. Didn't win any of them. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Although, didn't they have standby for those? So you could put the time into on top of it? Yeah, I heard about that afterwards. Oh, yeah, of course. 
I always hear about that kind of stuff too. After like uh, you know, I hear like, oh, Funko was handing out the Tiki Idol pins, the big ones, and I was right across the hall from them, and I didn't know. We were looking at the booth. We're probably looking day. at them giving them to people, and we weren't putting two and two together. So uh, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, thanks for joining us. I mean, we we've uh, I think we've gone there. Although I know you say that you can't tell us everything, but is there any teaser you can give us? I can say that Decon is gonna have something gigantic like funko level big at really it. wow yeah we have i'm kind of marketing's like my big thing and mm-hmm. i want to make the con almost like a like a the bar booth like a show instead of just a product you know what i mean uh-huh. so should so, we expect a double decker booth <laughs> <laughs> not quite that big but it'll be, it'll be something pretty cool I promise. Well, I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. We will be there as well. And it's probably become one of my favorite shows um, every year. It's, it's not too crazy, and there's just so much amazing art there. So I think it's a good place for you to be, for sure. Yep. I'm well, excited for it, for sure. Well, thanks thanks for taking your time. I know we we had to uh, reschedule a couple times due to life, uh, et cetera, but really it's fascinating yeah. talking to you. And I will say, you know, um, I've talked to a lot of people. I've always been very impressed. Again, as you said, your first sketch of Chomp in your trigonometry class in high school, I mean, for you to go this young <laughs> and go out that, it really says a lot. And, you know, kudos, you know, not that they get too much credit, but kudos to your parents. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. They've helped yeah, you right. So pass that on. Yeah, they've been supporting me the whole way for sure. Well, thanks a lot, Connor. Um, and I look forward to seeing you at New York Comic Con and definitely at DCON. Yeah. And I have to yeah. go listen to this since I missed the first half. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was a great conversation. And I hope, uh, you know, maybe we can catch up in New York um, with you and Ben. That'd be awesome. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely have to hang out there. All right. Thanks a lot, Connor. All, All right. right. Thank you. Yep. Bye. 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 I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed uh, having that conversation. It was, it was really fascinating. I love to learn the, in, the ins and outs of um, what it takes to take an idea and get it into production and delivered. If you like what you heard here, please give us a follow um, rate us on iTunes that really help a lot check us out on Twitter at geek underscore together or Instagram at geek together pod 